Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I have three amazing, brave, and beautiful inside and out guests. We are going to be sharing some of the highlights from their episodes. And all three of these guests have different stories, but all of them have experienced trauma and abuse in their life. Friends, statistics tell us that one out of three to four women have been sexually abused in their lifetime. In fact, my own story is one of someone who experienced sexual abuse as a child and teen. And One thing that is so important for me is to make sure that you, my friend, have tools to deal with the trauma and abuse you've experienced in your lifetime. And the truth is, if you haven't experienced it, you know somebody who has. Tanya Glansman, Nikki Godsill, and Don Scott Damon, they were all guests here on the Fully Restored podcast in 2020. And all of these women, they are filled with so much wisdom to help others on their journey of healing. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to highlight some of the tips that they shared on their shows. And I think that this is going to be really helpful for you or your loved ones on your journey of healing. But before we jump into the interviews, I wanted to share with you something that I've been working on that's in the final stages of development. So I finally feel like I can start talking about it. Have you ever had a secret or something that you're working on and you want to share it with the world, but you know it's not the time to do it? That's what I have been working on for this past year. And for those of you who know or don't know, I have a book, Healing for Our Soul Gardens, Restoration and Wholeness After Sexual Abuse, which this July, it's going to be four years since it was published. And I can't believe how quickly time has gone by. What I'm really excited to be announcing is I have a new program where you're going to learn the steps that I took to find freedom, to find healing, to find that restoration in my life from the past abuse and how I've helped others reclaim and transform their own lives from trauma. For years, I've worked with women who have experienced trauma and abuse in their lives individually through counseling as I'm a licensed professional counselor and with in-person groups. And I've been taking them through the healing journey with my book. In fact, well before my book was even published, I was leading groups with all the information that I wrote together that later became my book. And with this new program, we're taking my book, but we're adding additional information that is so much. And really friends, it's like I've written a second book to go with the first one. And the amazing thing is you just need access to the internet to be a part of this program. It's an online program and you can be a part of it from anywhere, which has me so excited. So this program is called Fully Restored from Abuse. It's a 12-week journey of healing and rediscovery. And friends, I just want you to know that there is hope. There's hope for you in your own journey of healing 
from abuse. So it's going to be launching soon. I just wanted to get that information out there. And if you are interested in hearing more about this, um, just be sure to email me at Kristen at fullyrestore.love and tell me that you're interested in the program. It is, like I said, it's a 12-week program. I'm going to be equipping you with resources. We're going to talk about shame, fear, anxiety, control, anger, our broken and damaged emotions. There's so much that we're talking about. There's five videos a week, tons of additional resources, and so much information. And so, like I said, it's like I've written a second book. So I'm really, really excited to be sharing this with you. One last thing before we jump into today's episode, I want to encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family. And for the month of May, I'm doing highlight shows and I have a contest going on and I love contests. So for every episode you share on social media and tag me, you're going to be entered into a drawing for a $25 gift card from Amazon. And I have some Starbucks gift cards as well. So both on Instagram and Facebook, I can be found at author Kristen Klaus. But the key is you have to tag me. So if you don't tag me, friend, you're not getting entered in the drawing. Now on to our show. As I mentioned, my guests are Tanya Glansman, who we're going to hear from first. Then we're going to go into Nikki Godsell's interview. And then our last highlight is going to be Don Scott Damon. All of these women share some valuable tools to help individuals who've experienced abuse and are on a journey of healing. So now here are the interview highlights. there's a lot that I'm thinking about right now. One of the things that you said, which I find is um, very interesting, a little side note is for myself, because I wasn't raised in the church. I think three months after I became a Christian, I was still a drug addict and I got pregnant with my daughter. And so it was a similar but different encounter. That was the moment that I made that decision that I was going to trust Jesus and I was going to trust him with my life. I was going to trust him to heal me and restore me and walk me through it all. And those encounters with Jesus are the life-changing moments where we begin to say, okay, I'm going to trust you in the middle of all this pain. I'm going to trust you. And it sounds like that was your experience as well. And then you talked about God being a good, good father. And that's a song for those that are Christians in the church. We often sing this worship song, you're a good, good father. However, for somebody who comes from abuse that happens within the family system, that is a really hard one to swallow at times when you haven't had that deep healing, where that you talked about trust and faith cultivating in your heart. But for the women who maybe aren't at that place right now, or maybe they're on the verge of that, or, or, or they're like, yeah, I can trust God, but only to so much. What was that transition like for you? What was it where you began to trust God, even though you had been hurt by family members and God is looked at as our father. Could you talk about that? Well, I would say that I probably did not have the traditional dilemma as you're describing because my birth father had left my life when I was two. And then my mother just kind of ran through men the way I run through Ziploc bags. 
and every man that came into our life was there for a brief window of time, but then as quick as they were there, they were gone and there was a new man. And so I never truly developed a father relationship with anyone Mm -hmm. along the way. I didn't really have any idea. I certainly had never bonded with any man in the way that a daughter would bond with a father. And I think because of that, the trauma that would be related to the betrayal of a true father figure, I did not experience that the same way as someone who was bonded to their father in that way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And so you were able to embrace God as a father. It was more about trusting God in general and having faith and trusting him with your life. Was that more that the whole transition of coming into your faith with God? I think it was learning that he was a father and and then learning what does that even mean? What does a good father look like? What? Because I'd never experienced that. I'd never bonded with a father. In a way for me, I think it might have been easier because I didn't have anything in my life that even resembled that. I had not bonded with all of the men that my mother had brought into our life that had abused me. None of them, even my grandfather, who my mother gave me to when I was 10, I was already so abused and traumatized. And then he just continued that abuse. So I never truly bonded to him or attached in that way. Mm -hmm. And so it was a new concept. And I think an exciting concept for me to now learn that there was someone who, first of all, did not love me or desire a relationship with me because of what he could get from me. And that had been my experience with men all along was that they were nice to me because they wanted to hurt me. They were nice to me because they wanted to use me or abuse me or sell me or for their own good and benefit. That's why they were kind to me. But the concept of there being someone who just loved me, who loved me first Mm -hmm. before I could do anything or give anything or be anything for them in a way that would benefit them. That was an exciting concept for me to try to fathom and really to recognize that there had been no human being on this earth that had offered me hope that I could be different than what I was. And so as I grew up, my whole life, I was called ugly, you know, that had been my nickname. So when I woke up in the morning, it was good morning, ugly. And when I got home, it was, Hey, ugly. And when I went to bed, it was good night, ugly. And I truly had been groomed to be abused mentally and emotionally broken down so that I struggled with a lot of fear and a lack of self-esteem so that I was easily taken advantage of. And to then learn that God's word said something very different from what I had been offered my whole life. God's word said that I was beautiful and chosen in his masterpiece, that he had my name tattooed on the palm of his hand and that he knew how many hairs were on my head and that he had set me apart for great and mighty things. And that was very different than what I had been told. The majority of my childhood was that I would only ever be good for the very thing I was being used as there just was so much difference for me that I, I liked it and I wanted it and I longed for it. Yes. Love, pure love. 
And that pure love transforms us when we embrace that. And it sounds like God really came in, as he has to do with all of us who experience abuse, to come in and change our way of thinking and understanding of love, because that is one of the side effects of the spiritual effects of us when we've been abused is a distortion of love. And God, it sounds like what a beautiful story of how God came in and transformed your concept of love. And that was the foundation for me is learning how much God loved me. Because if I didn't believe he loved me, how could I believe that he would bring healing into my life? Or if I didn't believe that he loved me, how could I believe in forgiveness? How could I hope that he would be faithful to continue the good work that he began in me if I first did not believe that foundational truth that he loved me? Because the word tells us in First John, perfect love casts out all fear. So once I knew that he loved me, it didn't matter what I had done or what had happened to me or any of the facts that the world laid before me regarding the amount of traumatic abuse that I had been through or who my mother was or what she had done. None of that mattered. All that mattered was now I had a father who loved me and that love made all things moving forward possible. Absolutely. So in the last few minutes that we have here, I'm thinking of the woman who's listening today, who's struggled with abuse and they're on their journey of healing, or maybe they're just beginning. Could you, as one who's walked that road of a victim to healing, to survivor, to thriver, and now as one who's found her true identity through God. Could you share what two to three tips with them to help them on their journey? Sure. The first thing I would say is there is no greater tool to facilitate healing in your life than knowing the truth of God's word. And when I talk to my clients about the importance of this, I call it biblical brainwashing because most of us who have been abused on any level, we have been from the time we were very small, we have been offered lies that have been planted into our hearts, into the soil of our heart. And we're told in Proverbs to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. But when we're little, we don't have the ability to distinguish the lies from the truth. We just trust the people doing the planting. So whatever we're told, we accept and we believe because we don't know any different. But now as an adult, as the grown up you, you now have the ability to look at the truth of God's word and compare anything that lives in your heart and line it up and decide, does this line up with what God would say? about me as his daughter. And if it does not line up, it is your job to throw it out and replace it with the truth of his word. That's number one, nothing more valuable or more important, nothing more true. Second of all, I would encourage our listeners to only say about themselves what God says about them. I think that the step after receiving and believing the lies that have been planted in our hearts is that we began to talk and speak words of death and not life over ourselves. In fact, we end up often aiding the enemy of our soul in validating the lies that he wants us to believe through our very own lips. And so it's important to, even if it causes you to say nothing for a while, as you learn to embrace the truths of what God says about you, stopping speaking words of death over yourself and instead replacing them 
with the truth that God would say over you. And lastly, I would encourage our listeners to run to the Father and not away from Him. I think often shame and guilt and condemnation that the enemy wants to wrap us up in like a burrito, it binds us and confines us and keeps us from running boldly to the throne of God's grace to find help in our time of need. Because we begin to believe lies about who God is and how much he loves us and the grace and mercy and understanding that he has for us, especially as survivors of abuse, knowing that he understands why we struggle in the places that we struggle. And his heart is not that we would have to get ourselves all cleaned up and fixed before we run to him, but that it's only in his presence, sitting in his lap and being held tight by him, that we have the ability to get better. Because if we could make ourselves all better, we'd already be all better. But it's in his presence, surrounded by his love, that we're able to sit and rest and receive the healing that he has for us. Amen. Those are three powerful tips. Honestly, I think we get confused sometimes between healing and miracles. Healing takes a a maintenance of faith and perseverance, but miracles are instantaneous. God can miraculously heal somebody in a moment, but how would that bring him glory like it would if it did take time? And honestly, Kristen, if God were to miraculously heal me in a moment, I don't think my heart could have handled it. I think the time that he gave me to process the little layers at a time Mm -hmm. was a part of his gentleness. I mean, when people say that healing is a, is a secondary trauma, I never fully understood that until I went through it myself, you know, like it really is. It takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of energy and effort. One of the lies the enemy used to tell me was, why would you drudge up that stuff from your past? What is the point of that? You know, your life is good. You've accumulated so much. You have the the husband you desired. You have the healthy children. You have the career. Why would you drudge that up? And I think that was such a lie that really kept me from moving fully into relationship with the Lord. That was one of the lies the enemy really rooted in me to keep that wall up, to keep those bricks of anger and inferiority and pride and just so many different things up. Because if he's able to keep that wall up filled with the lies that he was giving me, then I'd never be able to fully be healed. So that secondary healing, that process, it is painful and it does hurt, but there's purpose behind every single step. And God knows every single layer for each person that needs to be walked out. And through that process, if we're willing to obey him and hear his voice through it, not only will we be freer on the other side, but our true identity in him is going to unveil a purpose and a calling in us that will make our lives externally match the internal void that we feel. And that's That's what the purpose of walking through hard healing does, is it makes our internal life match the external in a way that we can't without him. Absolutely. I mean, we need to walk through it. Otherwise, the deep healing, I talk to people about um, in counseling and those that 
participate in groups in my book about snorkeling versus scuba diving. Now, when we're snorkeling, we're on the surface. And so we focus on surface things. We focus on people, circumstances, and situations. But God desires for us to go deep, to scuba dive, to go to the deep waters, to the deep places, so there can be a deep healing that comes to our life. And that's exactly what you're talking about, is you had to experience and walk through the healing. I had to walk through the healing as well. And it doesn't happen overnight. And I think what happens is stuff gets triggered and people shut down and say, I'm just going to put it back in that box. I talk about in our heart, we have a box and we lock it up and we bolt it and we put chains around it and we put it in a closet and we deadbolt the closet. And then we put a board in front of that closet because we're afraid that some of those memories are going to come out. And the very one who is the one to walk us through our healing is who we have our walls up. And that's to God. And Jesus is so, is so caring in how he walks us through those memories. He doesn't just pop that box open and throw them all in our face at once. He takes us through them, but we have to go through it. There's a camp song, going on a lion hunt, gonna catch a big one. I'm not afraid. What's that up ahead? Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Gotta go through it. Yep. We gotta go through it. And you just bring up such great example of how God walked you through it, how he led you to the right counselor, he led you to the right people, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life to walk through it so that on the other side, you are fully restored. You are healed, not just a flesh wound healed, but the deep healing that has taken place in your life to where you victoriously can be at a bonfire with marshmallows with your kids. I just love that example so much. When I couldn't even talk about, I mean, I still remember the first time I had to write down on my intake form that I was raped. It left me in the, in a fetal position on my kitchen floor bawling. It was so hard. I loved your example of snorkeling versus scuba diving because that's such a beautiful example of what a spirit of fear will do in the midst of healing in the midst of that process. Fear is a liar and fear has a lot of buddies. It has anger and it has shame and it, and it uses these buddies to tell us all of these lies. You don't need to go scuba diving. Let's just say, you know, snorkeling. You're fine here. What's wrong here? If you go down there, you're risking more. Don't risk. Remember what happened to you last time. All of those lies. But when we allow the Lord to come in and replace that spirit of fear with the Holy Spirit, and we're able to discern his voice directly, he's the one that gives us the godly counsel. He's the one that gives us the witness of the wider body. And we need them to be properly aligned with biblical authority. Speaks about that in Hebrews 13, 7 through 8. And it's able, we're able to take the different things that we hear from him as he walks us through that process to properly hear him appropriately. The Lord is telling me this, go to your counselor, go to that person that's in alignment with the Lord and say, is this the spirit of fear talking to me? Or is this the Holy Spirit? We need those mentors who are able to take what we are hearing and walk us through the process of learning how to independently hear those things from him on our own with discernment. And that's such a pivotal piece. I really love 
that example, Kristen. It was perfect. Yeah, the snorkeling and what happens is in our life, when we're snorkeling, we focus on people. We focus on situations and circumstances in our life and we're victims. And God's desire is for us to live the fullness of who he created us to be, not as victims. So we got to do the scuba diving, get past people, get past circumstances, get past situations, get past triggers and conflict and different things that are going on in our life and get to the deep root of what it is. So I have absolutely loved this, Nikki. I think we could probably talk for about three hours on this topic and still not cover everything. So in the last few minutes that we have here, what words would you like to say to the listener? I'm thinking of the women who can relate to what we're talking about can relate to having walls up in their life and maybe distancing themselves from Jesus and from others. And that's really about trust. I don't trust anybody, can't trust anyone because people hurt you. But that goes to us trusting God. The woman that is saying, I've maybe never told anyone or I did and they turned on me. You know, I'm just thinking of that wounded woman who is trying to press through in life, but hasn't dealt with what is going on inside of them. What would be some words that you would speak to them right now in the last few minutes we have? You know, I I wish in the very beginning of my healing journey, I had someone come alongside me that had gone through this before and told me these three things. Number one, if I'm avoiding or I'm unable to talk about something, that's the first sign that I have some healing work to do. And God is willing to listen to me whenever I'm ready to talk. So God never pressures anyone to talk about something until they're ready. He will never force himself on you, right? God is a gentleman. So he will knock at your door, but he's not going to bust it down. God didn't abandon me for 20 years. God waited patiently for my heart to be ready to reach out to him and say, okay, I'm ready. And when I was willing to open the door, he was there. He never left my side. He gently waited for me to be ready. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit is the absolute best counselor I have ever, ever had. And I wish I knew how to communicate through him in the very beginning of my journey. It would have saved me so much time and energy. Now, I'm not negating that counseling is important because it is. We need good mentorship. We need godly counsel. We need a counselor. We need mentors. We need pastors to lovingly wrap their arms around us who are in alignment with the Lord to walk us through the beginning, middle, and end of these journeys in order to solidify what the Holy Spirit is saying. But there were moments in the middle of the night when I was crying out that only the Holy Spirit was able to be there for me and comfort me in a way that no other person could. And if I would have recognized and heard somebody tell me from the very beginning that he is my counselor and I can reach out to him whenever I need to, I think my healing process would have gone a little bit differently. It wouldn't have taken as long in the very beginning. And then the last thing is that healing is a journey and it requires time. It requires work. However, I believe the lie for the longest time that time is not the healer, but Jesus is. Time is not the healer. Jesus is. 
when we allow ourselves to begin to grieve and cry what was and what happened to us, we begin to walk the bridge between a life of pain and suffering to a life of fulfillment and freedom. So we utilize time in our healing process, but it is not the healer, it is Jesus. And when we when we allow him in to do the hard work, that's when we really begin healing and walking into the freedom that we have in him. Those are three powerful statements right there, that God waited patiently for us to be ready and that the Holy Spirit is the best counselor and that Jesus is the healer, not time. Ladies, friends that are listening to us, I pray that you hear those words, that they would speak deeply to your souls right now and that they would minister life and truth to you. Wow. And you bring up some really powerful things for women to understand when you talk about the memories. Because a lot of people do have very clear memories, and some of the memories are just in bits and pieces. Your age frame of when you were abused was 10 to 17, and for some that listened to us, their abuse was um, much younger. And the thing about memories is we often think that memories are only stored in pictures, but our memories are stored in our senses. So sometimes we can come in contact with somebody, and we're not sure why we're uncomfortable with them. But it could be something that we see, something that we smell, something about them that is triggering a memory. And um, so I'm very thankful that you brought that up because women need to understand that about memories and also understand that we block out our memories. Freeze, you know, disassociating. That's Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put my memories someplace else so I don't have to think about them just so I can cope with life. Those are things that we can overcome, but that in the, that season is something that is helping us to cope with something that's very devastating. First, it's very uh, automatic what our body does and how it spares us and probably keeps us alive in some way. If that's what our body chose to do was to freeze, because we, in a nanosecond, we can discern our surroundings and Our brain instantly knows what is the best response for us. It's an an incredible thing. But if we just froze, that's what we needed to do. There's a lot of shame, though, that's associated with that response. It doesn't feel as stellar or as heroic as fighting or flying. It feels like, well, you just laid there and took it. But that's just what I know instinctively needed to be. But because of that shame, You do want to forget that memory. And you talk about our body or our brain remembering our things in bits and pieces. If you did take that picture, if you saw the full picture and then you took it and you ripped it up into about 40,000 pieces and then flipped it all up into the air, that's how it lands. It's just these little bits and pieces here and there. And so you'll get a snapshot or a trigger or or here's, here's half an arm. What does that mean? And here's Here's a picture of a, a pink blanket. What is that telling me? What is, why am I responding to this? Because it's just little thousands of sticky notes floating around. So yeah, you're right. It's really, well, it's the healing work and the healing process that we go through to find our story again and to, to understand how it impacted us and how it shaped us. 
Absolutely. So as part of our Redemption from Abuse series here on the Fully Restored podcast, Dawn, could you tell us briefly about your fully restored story? We talked about your childhood. What was that fully restored story for you? Well, I have to just say, first of all, really giving my life to Jesus Christ, like fully surrendering, because in that moment, that was the instant healing in terms of fully complete, fully restored in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 clearly tells us that when we come to Christ, we're a new creation. That being said, that was my position in Christ, fully 100% righteous, 100% of the time, not because of anything I did, not because of anything I earned, but just the complete, perfect gift of Jesus coming into my life. But then it's as if God took my hand and said, now we're going to walk and you're going to walk out your restoration every day. And there's going to be more and more healing. And as I thought about my restoration story, I just will remember very important moments of healing. And one specifically at a women's retreat, because I had never told my story in its entirety I had not heard my own story come out of my mouth in a safe place. I had carried a lot of shame and I covered that shame by performing and being performance orientated or oriented that I would do those things to, to make sure that I achieved enough and built enough success or was thin enough or pretty enough or whatever I could do, whatever I could control. And so I remember going to a women's conference. And this was like no women's conference I had ever experienced before. This was something where the women built a set, a background set that looked like the Holy of Holies, if you could even picture or imagine that. There were women who were wearing outfits that looked like angels. And it was almost like they had recreated heaven. There was this place where we could go into the beloved, the tent of the Holy of Holies and meet with God. It was this just beautiful women's conference where there was perfume and oils. And what it did was it engaged all my senses, as you talk about it, engaged my full being. And as I think back about it, Kristen, I was just so hungry for Jesus. I was hungry for friendships with women. I was hungry to grow in my faith. And this women's retreat engaged all of my senses and it opened up really, I believe the right side of my brain where I was having an emotional and a physical experience, a kinetic experience, if you will. I was fully engaged in this spiritual retreat. And it was in that moment where the Holy Spirit began to speak to me for the first time. And one of the scriptures that he gave me was Psalm 34, 5, 3, 4, 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces will never be put to shame. And the retreat was about removing the layers of shame. And one after another, the healing became so obvious and apparent as God began to move into my story. Memory after memory, I was seeing those sticky notes. I was seeing those broken pieces of that picture floating down into my memory. As Jesus was saying, I was there with you, Dawn. I took that healing. I took that pain. I gave you healing. I took that abuse. I gave you wholeness. I took that shame. I'm giving you my confidence. And it was just like in real time. And yet so very, very quickly over a period of maybe 20 minutes where I was just kind of on my face before God, where 
the Lord just gave me a healing in my life and a healing of memories that it wasn't over, but I was well on the road to recovery. And I went from that, that weekend, walking in as a victim, unloved, feeling ashamed, feeling abandoned, walking out certain of my identity in Jesus Christ. But the truest thing about me was I am who he says I am. Loved, holy, chosen, capable, beautiful, forgiven, purified, washed. I walked out knowing who I was in Jesus Christ. That was the beginning of the healing for me. And then another point I'll just tell you quickly was Psalm 51.6, where the scripture says of the psalmist that surely God, you desire truth in the inner parts. And I began to realize that I had parts inside of me, if you will, dissociated, whatever you want to call it. I believe we're the sum total of every age we've ever lived. So I know there's a little seven-year-old in there and an eight and a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old in, inside of my heart and mind. But as the psalmist said, you desire truth in the inner parts. And we don't really know what that word inner parts means. It's a Hebrew word that says deep in the bowels, like it's so deep inside of us. And God began to give me truth that I, I began to uncover lies as God would bring them to my mind that the lie was you have to be sexual to be loved. And God said, no, that's not true. The lie was that you have to perform to be accepted. No, that's not the truth. The lie is that you can't be forgiven. Your sin is so, so much. No, God can forgive. You can't ever be new. No, he makes all things new. So that I began to get God's truth to replace those lies. And that was the transformation that was happening in my life. And still is happening today. I love that illustration about the truth in the inner parts. And really, you said some very powerful things throughout all of that. A couple of things that stood out to me. You found your position in Christ, but you had to walk it out. And, you know, talking about the memories and where they're stored and that this whole experience that you had at this retreat was about learning to walk it out and learning to face the things that you've been fearing and learning. I always tell people in counseling, okay, tell yourself the truth. So when you have these thoughts that are coming at you, such as you're to blame, no, the truth is I was seven years old and how am I to blame for what somebody did to me? Right. And so telling yourself the truth and God was just taking you through and doing surgery and saying, oh no, right here, that's not truth. And putting in place This is the truth in your heart and in your inner parts. And I absolutely love that illustration. And I think so many women can relate to that and understand that as you were sharing that. So I'm really grateful for that illustration. You know, what you're saying is tell yourself the truth and don't say it in your mind. Say it out loud. Yes. And write it down and repeat it and make those powerful affirmations on a regular basis because you have to, you know, build those new neural pathways because sometimes our mind automatically goes to the old, to the rubbish, to the lie, to that narration that you were renewing the mind by speaking that truth on a regular basis. So that's so powerful. As you're talking, I was thinking about another illustration. I'm an illustration person and 
a bike pathway, a dirt bike pathway. And over time, if bikes continue to go on that, there's grooves that are developed within there. And so when you're riding, you automatically just go into the grooves. And what you're talking about is creating new pathways in your mind is we have to purposely bump our thoughts or bump the bike to go outside of the grooves in our thinking. It takes work and it's hard. And so that's why, you know, you have a thought and you say to yourself out loud, no, the truth is blah, 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 whatever it is. And no, that's a lie. That is not truth. That is what my experience, that's what my old thinking tells me. But God says, this is who I am and quote God's scripture back to him. He tells us to do that. And all of that helps to reframe and build new pathways within our minds. So I love that illustration you gave there as well. Thank you, Tanya Glansman, Nikki Godsell, and Don Scott Damon for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, podcast.fullyrestored.love. I hope that this episode of Fully Restored Podcasts was something that you gleaned from and you found some helpful tools for your own journey of healing from trauma and abuse, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for family members or children. There is so much that we can glean from these women and what they shared with us. And friends, remember, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.